0: I'm director of the Mernie Tower Museum. I'm a social science teacher and student life coordinator. I am an associate professor. I got a PhD from Queen's history. And I have an MA from Queen's history. Hello and welcome to the Alumni Archives, a podcast created and hosted by Queen's University History Department. Before we begin, I would like to respectfully acknowledge that Queen's is situated on the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe. Today's episode was recorded on the territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Algonquin Anishinaabe. My name is Heather Poussard, and I am a first-year MA student here at Queen's University. I am joined today by Angela Duffett, who was doing her PhD at Queen's and graduated in 2019 and is now a historian for Parks Canada. Welcome. Thanks, Heather, for having me. Before we get into talking a bit about your time at Queen's and your career, could you just tell us a little bit about where you're from and sort of your journey of how you ended up doing a PhD here at Queen's?
1: I grew up in Outport, Newfoundland, in a small town called Bonavista, about 3,500 people. And like my journey to Ontario was kind of a random one in the sense that I initially started out as a journalism student uh, at Carleton and wound up not having a high enough GPA in my first year to get into second year of the journalism program. And I took that really hard because like all my life, I had been sort of praised for my writing skills. And now all of a sudden, Mm, you know, can I cut it with these city kids who maybe went to, you know, fancier schools. And I mean, a lot of people have a hard time in their first year of university. There's nothing unique about that story, but I did take that really hard and wound up switching into history after my first year, because that was the course that I liked most in first year. Had I enrolled in some other history class, I might never have ended up as a history major. Maybe it would have been English or sociology or business, who knows, right? And when I think about how kind of just what a twist of fate that was that I ended up going to grad school for history based off of that one twist, it, it, it can, it kind of blows me away sometimes.
0: Yeah. It's like the contingency. I mean, you see it when you study the past all the time, but then when it happens in your real life, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Had the stars aligned just a little bit differently, who knows? Yeah. What the trajectory
0: of any of our careers would have looked like. So after all that, uh, what made you end up coming to Queens to do your graduate studies, to do your PhD here at the history department?
1: I was coming out of my master's in public history at Carleton, and I was thinking that I I wanted to do a PhD. I knew that I was eventually wanting a career in public history, but I figured coming straight out of the master's, if I was going to do a PhD, that was the time. I figured once I got out working and and earning a salary, it was going to be really hard to, to walk away. And... I had heard good things about the department and about Jane Arrington, who was my supervisor in particular. I liked that Kingston wasn't too far away from Ottawa, which is where I had been. I also did my undergrad. I'd been living there off and on for seven years already. And having gone down there and done the orientation day that the department hosts every March for prospective grad students meeting some of the students who had already been in the program, meeting Jane and some of the other faculty, I I felt um, pretty confident in in the decision to, to choose Queen's.
0: Awesome. And so you had heard of Dr. Arrington, and did you just reach out to her, and that's how you guys got connected? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's it's funny. Like
1: I think for a lot of people, um, the decision to go to graduate school starts with Google searching. And I I knew that I was interested in colonial North America, Queens. You know, when you look at the bio, the faculty bios, you see that there's a, a specialization there. When I was doing my master's, there was a PhD student at Carleton who. Had done her master's at Queen's, who spoke quite highly of Dr. Arrington, and that was quite reassuring. But I think sometimes departments sort of underestimate the degree to which just random googling leads to students finding them as well, so that's an argument for keeping your website up to date.
0: Yes, actually we have totally revamped our website. It's going live at the beginning of 2021, so hopefully that'll help students kind of streamline their decision making. (laughs) Yeah, that's good to know. Can you speak a little bit more about your research, why doing your work at Queen's was such a good fit? Um, Just tell us a little bit more about what you were studying while you were here at Queen's.
1: Uh, Yeah, so my dissertation was entitled Making Home, Social Life and Sociability in St. John's, Newfoundland in the 19th century. And I looked at, using letters and diaries mostly as sources, looked at the social lives of a network of people moving around that city in the 19th century, how they conceived of the city changing over time, how they saw themselves as part of a larger British or Irish world, how they made use of different clubs and social avenues that were available to them to express identity. And I wound up choosing Queens because I knew there was an emphasis there on uh, colonial North American history. And I was also... I grew up in atlantic canada i grew up in in newfoundland i i was interested in i knew i wanted to do a dissertation about something newfoundland related but at the same time i don't know that i was too keen on on moving back to newfoundland for, for for grad school so queen seemed like to like a good place where i could pursue that interest study home from afar and i think i ended up with a dissertation that's really different than what i would have written had i been doing it in newfoundland too and and i mean i think i think that little bit of remove can can be helpful sometimes
0: so, in reflecting and thinking about the time that you spent at Queens, was there any particular course or professor or something at Queens that really impacted your research or shaped the direction that you went in? Well, well, Jane was
1: just great. Her her class, I think everybody speaks really really highly of it, and her enthusiasm, her passion for colonial North America. I think she was a great mentor during those days. So, yeah. I, I I, I do really think fondly of the time that I spent in her class in colonial North American societies.
0: Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest pieces of advice I got when I was applying um, because I'm doing my master's right now was find a supervisor that really works for you and the rest will sort of fall into place. At the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that you were a historian at Parks Canada, which I think is such a cool job, and I'm interested in learning a little bit more about uh, what that job is. So what do you do as a historian at Parks Canada, and how did your PhD from Queen's help you prepare for that position?
1: I think I got really lucky in the sense that my job title is literally the thing that I studied, and very rarely is that the case for anyone in a humanities or social sciences field. So the historians at Parks Canada work on a variety of different projects. They do the research and writing uh, for the Historic Sites and Monuments Board of Canada, which uh, you've probably seen the bronze plaques commemorating persons, places and events of national significance. So the historians help support that program. All, all of the nominations for that come from the public. So anyone can uh, submit a, a nomination and historians will do the research. It goes before the board who deliberate on its significance and, uh, and then the historians do the writing for the plaque. So that's one thing we work on. Obviously uh, a history degree is, is great preparation for, for this kind of research. Um, historians also support Parks Canada sites and marine conservation areas and parks in some of their exhibits and programming. There's there's a wide variety of, of work to do on. They work really closely with the, the team that works in visitor experience and, and um external relations on on things that they do. So so every day is different. The projects are different. I I also did a an MA in, in public history before coming to Queens which I think really set me up well for for this kind of work <laughs> the students in the program used to refer to it as, as the best of both worlds you know um, in the sense that you're doing you're doing research you're you're working in the archives you're creating original research but you're also working in the public history field at institutions and learning what it's like to be working with the public and to be working with people from a variety of backgrounds and thinking about other considerations beyond your your own research and your own priorities which I think is, is really important when you're making the transition from, from academia to public history.
0: Yeah, so on that note, was it a fairly straightforward path from when you graduated from Queens to getting the position you're at now? Or had you had a number of other positions before you got to Parks Canada?
1: It was, for me, it was, I was actually surprised with how straightforward the career path post-PhD was. If anything, the hard thing for me was finishing the dissertation, I was in, I had just started year seven of being a full-time PhD student, and I was, I started to apply for jobs because I was at a point in my life where I just couldn't be a student anymore. And I had had my eye on a couple of museum jobs and and government jobs, and I, I wound up getting a position at Library and Archives Canada as a project manager in public programs there. I worked there for about a year while being a part-time student and then made the transition over to Parks Canada. So all told, I was part-time for probably, gosh, it must have been about a year and a half while a part-time student while working full-time as a public historian. Wow. So, so the, the career transition, I, I didn't really apply to too many jobs before I landed ones that I was quite happy with, but it was finishing the dissertation that, that was the hard thing. And on that note too, I I think it helped me that, you know, I, especially with the job at LAC, I had worked there as a student twice. I was an F-SWEP student there during my undergrad. That's the federal student work experience program. And I did an internship there during my master's. So they knew me. And I think that leg up helped. At the time that I was an F-SWEP student there, my then supervisor had just finished his PhD in English. And the job that I ended up landing was the same job that he had had when he was supervising me. So things really come full circle there. And, and, and you know, the, the, the career pieces so far, touch wood, have fallen together quite well. But, and, and it's the experience outside of, of the PhD that helped me get those jobs. But finishing the bloody PhD, that was the hard thing.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. What advice would you have to anyone thinking about pursuing a career in public history?
1: I would advise them to get some experience in the field. Whether that's applying to the Federal Student Work Experience Program, it's applying to Young Canada Works, uh, which are both programs where you would put your profile in an inventory and get pulled by particular employers. Um, It's making connections in your local community, whether you're working as a guide or doing some research, doing a co-op program if one is available to you. But really having that network and having that experience, having some experience aside from academic experience is, is really key.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of history students get summer positions at local museums. I know I did back home in BC and there's there's a ton in Kingston. There's Fort Henry and the Mernie Tower and and all of those kinds of places.
1: Yeah. And it's important to you because you realize, you know, talking to the group of school kids or the family on vacation is so much different than being in the seminar room. And you really have to be able to communicate to that
0: audience. Yeah, it's definitely communicating history in a very different kind of way f- for sure. Yeah. So aside from the kind of public history experience that we were just talking about, do you have any other advice for, you know, undergrads or graduate students in the history department who are wanting to gain some more experience than just sort of their academic degree?
1: I would I would encourage students to really look at the opportunities that are that are out there beyond what the History Department at Queen's offers. So for example, if you're looking for work in the federal government, bilingualism is obviously really important. So so consider taking a French class. You know, there's things out there beyond the department, whether it's clubs, things to help your mental health, things that will help you just make friends and be part of the community. I volunteered at the Grand Theater during my years at Queen's. And that was a really nice way to meet people in different phases of life that I, I wouldn't otherwise have met. And it was also a great way to see a lot of shows for free so get involved in, in in the life of the community when I when I left Kingston I did really feel sad to be leaving in the sense that you know I had spent six and a half years there and I felt like I knew my way around and I knew the streets and I knew you know I, I knew what was going on at the Grand and I had my restaurants. so so really your time there might be temporary but it, it is nice to to put down some roots however however shallow they might be in the community
0: do you have a favorite uh, memory or experience or place from your time at Queens and Kingston? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's
1: funny that you, cause I I've seen some of these questions ahead of time and I was, I was really thinking about this one and I was like, Oh God, should I give her a cynical answer? Or should I give her, you know, a, a nice happy answer. Um, but I think not enough time has passed for me from the PhD program that I'm still at a place where some of the memories that bubble up are not the happiest memories. And maybe in a, in a few years, I would answer that differently, but the things that bubble to the surface the fastest are memories of, of just worry about money and the future and what I was going to do with my life. And especially as the years in the PhD program ticked by, I thought a lot about the opportunity costs of the program and whether I was on the right track. And when you reach a point where you've put in three or four or five years into a PhD program, and and you're starting to wonder if it's the right thing for you, the thought of walking away without actually finishing the degree seems really daunting as well. And it's those memories that I reach to the fastest when I think about my time as a PhD student. And maybe with time, those feelings will fade. Um, I do have good memories of my cohort, of of holding potlucks and, you know, walking around the waterfront at Queens, but the the ones that, you know, I, I really are closest in my heart and the ones that I'm glad to be removed from right now are that the, the feeling of uncertainty that was just inescapable for a lot of grad school.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. It's definitely a, a big commitment. Do You still keep in touch with some of your cohort?
1: Some of them. Yeah. I guess we're all kind of connected in the superficial way that social media connects you, right? Where like you see people's updates and there's, there's a couple who I, I speak to on the phone a couple times a year. Um, there's a few from the cohort, from different cohorts, either a year above or a year below me who live in Ottawa. I occasionally see them. So I think, I think geography plays a role there. I'm sure there's a couple that if we were living closer together, we would probably be in closer touch. Yeah, by and large, I would say we have a decent job of keeping tabs on one another.
0: So thinking about some of the, the challenges of graduate school, do you have any uh, advice or anything you would want to share with uh, students considering a graduate degree in history? I would caution students to
1: think really long and hard about a PhD. I would never try to talk anyone out of doing a master's. Um, I think doing a master's is worthwhile. It's intellectually stimulating. It's incredible. But a PhD is a big chunk of your life that may not result in any different outcomes than a master's will. And so, so I would encourage students to think really hard about the the opportunity costs, the time that you aren't earning a salary, the time that you aren't saving the time that interest is piling up on loans that you've maybe already taken out. And that's, that's a hard conversation to have with yourself. And I mean, you know, I had that conversation maybe with myself, maybe not as in-depth as I should have. If uh, if someone had tapped on my shoulder in 2010 when I was starting my PhD and told me I wouldn't be defending it until 2019, I would have definitely turned tail and ran the other way. So, so I would just encourage students to think really hard about the opportunity cost and to think really hard. And if you're, when you're in it, if you're thinking about quitting, that's okay too. It's okay. You'll be okay. You'll land.
0: Yeah, I mean as we found in our research for the website and stuff, the, the sort of trajectory from degree to career is very winding and often not very straightforward. And so, you know, things will work out in the end, regardless of sort of the, the concrete steps that you take to get there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think with the PhD in particular, where you land might not end up being that different from where you might have landed had you pulled the cord at a master's.
0: Do you find that your PhD has helped you a lot more in your job now than if you had just had your master's?
1: In this particular job, yes. I think the PhD, as well as experiences that I gained during my PhD, which were tangential to my research, have helped a lot. So, for example, in both my interviews for LAC and my interview for my current job, not once did I talk about my research or my dissertation. But I did talk about things like organizing the McGill-Queens Conference as an example of project management. And I talked about teaching as an example of supervision experience that I'd had. So those things are really closely built into the grad school experience, particularly the, the teaching if, if you're doing your Ph.D. at Queen's. That's, that's a real key part of the program, in my opinion. When I think of the things that that are helping me, doing my fields has helped, you know, with that doing doing HSNBC research, um, working on policy documents, knowing the state of what's out there and what's been published in,
0: in this particular job has been helpful. We're just about at the end here. So do you have any concluding thoughts or anything else you'd like to say before we end? I'll say that I hope I haven't been too much of a downer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this, this during the weekend and I. Um, You know, I think I think often the people you meet in academia are the people that it worked out for. Right. They ended up with the tenure track job. And, you know, even though I'm not in academia, it still really worked out for me. My job title is literally historian. And I ended up with that that dream public history job. And I'm really glad that it worked out that way. But I think talking more about the uncertainty that we feel during those years can only be a good thing and acknowledging the, the difficulty of it emotionally and financially is just really something that that we need to talk about more during grad school. And so this is why I'm mentioning all these things. And I, I hope it hasn't been too much of an exercise in cynicism.
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot of people who are entering into grad school right now have to sort of face that uncertainty and, uh, you know, a very precarious job market. And so as much as you want to have a lot of optimism and, and, and things I strongly believe that things will eventually work out. You also have to be realistic and that, you know, you may not end up with that tenure track job, but you can still find a lot of satisfying career options for you. hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the alumni archives. And thanks again to Queens PhD grad, Angela Duffett for joining me today. If you graduated from Queen's History and are interested in being on the podcast, please get in touch with Jen Lucas. Her email is in the description of this episode. My name is Heather. Thank you so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye!